0: You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey, everybody, I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So, we keep hearing about homeowners and homeowner demand, people buying houses, mortgage rates being low, supply is super low. So, what does that actually look at look like? I'm going to go through a couple of articles that are really they're, they're different, but they also kind of have the they're different perspectives. But they have the same theme in that people are looking to buy houses after the pandemic is basically over. We're still in a pandemic. But if you look around and for most cities, A lot of people have gone back to work, we're kind of working our way through the phases. And a lot of what you've seen housing wise is that there is tremendous demand right now pent up demand, and people are jumping on houses like they have not done in the past. So look, let's look at some of those numbers. And then I wanted to read an article from. The National Association of Realtors, their economist, Larry Yoon, he's got a really good perspective on how, yeah, there's a lot of demand and there's a lot of people buying houses. But not everybody's getting a house, And we're going to take a quick look at that as well. So let's jump on in. I have got a CNBC article here that I think summarizes where we sit right now with um, home buyer demand. The headline is home buyer mortgage demand spikes to an 11 year high as rates hit another record low. We've seen rates bounce around like uh, 3% and I think right now they're a little bit higher than that maybe three and a quarter, but super low uh, mortgage rates. And the key points are mortgage applications to purchase a home rose 4% last week. And this article was written today It came out uh, this morning. Uh, east Coast time seven seven am mortgage applications to purchase a home rose four percent last week from the previous week and were a remarkable twenty one percent higher than a year ago according to mortgage bankers association it's a big association that was the ninth consecutive week of gains and the highest volume in more than eleven years are we still in a pandemic because the housing numbers they're kind of going off the charts here this is this is really weird. In any other major catastrophe or pandemic or whatever, home buying would just there wouldn't be any. It would be dead. Lenders wouldn't be lending and home buyers wouldn't be buying. You just wouldn't have it. There'd be no appraisals being ordered or very very few. And I've lived through a bunch of those downturns and they were not fun. And that's what I was prepared for on this run. But man, it has been such an ups and up and down topsy-turvy run. It's just wild times. That's all I can say. I'm sounding like that old guy again of oh, back in my day. Anyway, the average contract interest rate for the 30 year fixed rate mortgages decreased to 3.3% from 3.38%. I know you're gonna say, Hey, I saw an ad for 2.75%. Yeah, well, that was with a bunch of points built in. And that's kind of a teaser rate anyway. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. That's the bottom line. So when you see mortgage rates come and that's why I have Dan Chapman on the Seattle uh, real estate podcast is I get the real scoop from him and I share that with the listeners and that is all right Dan what are rates really at what are they hovering at and he'll tell me and oftentimes it's much higher than what you're seeing for these teaser ads online and that's why those are teaser ads and they get you hooked and then you find out oh rates are really at 3 and a quarter all right home purchase applications spike to an 11 year high buyers are rushing back into the housing market enticed by record low mortgage rates and a pandemic induced need to nest like never before. Is it really that we're nesting? Are we? Are we that freaked out that this is going to happen again that we're like if we got to go into another lockdown, I need to have more space. I've read a bunch of articles like that, but I also feel like people are kind of like, you know, we did that one, there's no way we're going to go through round two of this. Um, Maybe it's just that their their home, they they needed to buy a new home anyway, maybe they're downsizing, they need more space because they got more kids. That's kind of outside the pandemic. But there's a lot of momentum here for people buying houses, we're feeling that on the summit side. For sure, I will be reviewing offers tonight with one of my brokers, um, Ryan Rickson, he's also an appraiser, and uh, we'll be sitting down with his sellers and going through the offers, which we expect to have more than one and probably escalation clauses at that. So continuing on here, the housing market continues to experience the release of unrealized pent up demand from earlier this spring, as well as gradual improvement in consumer confidence. Said MBA economist Joel Kahn buyers were also fueled by a new record low mortgage rate, the average contract interest rate for 30 year fixed rate mortgages with conforming loan balances of 510 or less decreased to 3.3% from 3.3.8% with points decreasing from 0.29 from point 0.30, down points are down just a tiny tiny little bit. And those are the origination fees. That's the fee you pay for a mortgage loan. And this is for loans with a 20% down payment, typical conventional loan. Lower rates also fueled refinance demand. Those applications rose 10% for the week and were 106% higher than a year ago. Well, we had higher interest rates a year ago, so that makes sense refinances have been slipping for weeks, but the new record low rates may have woken some homeowners up to the potential savings. We're going to have yet another refinance boom on our hands. That's where I think we're at. I think people are going to be homeowners with rates that are like within a quarter percentage They're going to lock in those rates and they're going to start ordering out their loan officers are going to start ordering out some appraisals and we're going to have another refinance boom because every time rates drop, even just a little bit, it kind of spurs people on to be thinking I could save a couple hundred bucks with that couple hundred bucks. I could get that new car I could get whatever it is and they rationalize doing a refinance which costs them money into all right, I can spend some money and that's what's going on. All right, and it, literally here it is: refinancing continues to support households' finances as homeowners who refinance are able to gain savings on their monthly mortgage payments in a still uncertain period of the economic recovery. And that is super true. We don't know how this economic recovery is going to go. On, is going to go. So. I did a podcast yesterday or the day before on the reallocation shock. Those are jobs that are expected to come back, but they don't and they have to go somewhere else. Employers don't really know what to do. They don't have positions or they've kind of moved things around employees going back. They're going back to a different workforce. And so that's a lot of what we're not sure on is that reallocation shock in the employee workforce in the US labor pool. The refinance share of mortgage activity increased to 63% of total applications from 61% the previous week. So over half of the the mortgage applications are for refinances, people with existing loans who are looking to reduce their rate, maybe take it from a 30 year fixed mortgage down to a 15 year. That is a super popular option right now because rates are so low with this with fixed interest rates so low the adjustable rate mortgage share of activity decreased to just 2.8% of total applications arm loans carry lower rates but higher risk makes sense, right? So that's kind of a summation of where we sit with our mortgage demand. There's a lot of people out there for applying for home loans right now. All right, and then my next piece that I wanted to touch on. This is an uh, editorial piece from Lawrence Yoon. He's the chief economist and senior vice president of research at the National Association of Realtors the NAR. The opinions expressed in this commentary are his own they're not the opinions of the National Association of Realtors. And so whenever I see that it's uh, his own opinions, I'm like, Yeah, let's check that out. Let's take a peek and see what Larry has to say because maybe uh, Lawrence, sorry, Larry shouldn't have said that I don't know why I said that. But whenever I hear Lawrence, I always just think of Larry. All right, the US housing market has been hit hard by the pandemic. The visible impact of the lockdown has been clear with millions of Americans out of work and few doing any shopping, including major purchases like buying a home. I think early on that was true in April, um, man. Market came to a grinding halt, but since then it's been gradually building and kind of stepping up in incremental steps. That's how I feel like the buyer demand has been as of late. And all of a sudden we're looking around, going like that last article I just read. We're going, we've got some historically high um, interest going on by buyers out there. That this is just weird. There has just been too much uncertainty about the economy and the potential deadly consequences of the coronavirus. Well. I think people are over their fear of the Coronavirus. They are out in droves looking at homes. They're out in droves doing other stuff as well. In April pending home sales reached their lowest mark in nearly two decades. And as a result, we expect actual closing activity what follows contract signings will have reached a trough in May. And I think that's really true. Um, April, you just had the market crash. And it's been building since then in May and June, I think June, you're actually going to see some good numbers. However, as more Americans get back to work, we're starting to see both buyers and sellers returning to the market, creating the beginnings of what we believe is a V shaped recovery in the housing sector. So this pretty steady downcline and then this pretty steady incline creates that V. Over the past several weeks, purchase activity has been 13% higher than it was during the same period a year ago. Listed homes are under contract within about 30 days, including a very swift market. Here in Seattle, homes are going under contract if you don't have an offer review date, homes are going under contract in just a couple of days, but not everyone. Here's where it gets interesting. But not everyone who wants to buy a home will be able to participate in this recovery. Realtors across the country are saying that there are not enough homes for sale compared to the number of buyers in the marketplace. For first-time home buyers, the market looks especially tough. And I've had guests here on my podcast who are out looking, they're also real estate brokers and and say to me, yeah, we're in entry-level housing, which in Washington is like anything under a half a million, and they're saying Pickens are super slim and we're going up against people with cash and it's really difficult to get a home. Even a condo in a lot of markets is super difficult. Pent up housing demand has intensified for several years due to natural population growth and the low interest rate environment further enlarged the pool of eligible home buyers people can afford more with lower interest rates on the supply side for the for the past decade or so home builders simply were not building a sufficient number of homes to match the rising housing demand. In my estimation, we were short by five to 6 million housing units. And I've seen as much as up to 9 million housing units we are short and we're feeling that that's why home prices have been increasing for so many years. In the early weeks of the lockdown, the total listings of homes for sale fell significantly, as some listings were pulled off the market because homeowners do not want strangers coming into their homes. And some would be listings that typically show up in spring did not. So we are seeing a shift of the real estate market from spring into summer. The housing shortage worsened. Yeah, that happened. We had historically low levels of supply going into the pandemic. And this made it even worse. And now we've got such low interest rates, we've just got this crazy scenario where the buyers that are out there are just they're taking down everything that comes in the market super quick. And in my opinion, prices are going up really quickly here in Seattle, in spite of the fact that we've got all these crazy protests, we've got Chaz. If you don't know what Chaz is, it's the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, C-H-A-Z, or chop, which is the Capitol Hill oppression protest. So I did a video last Sunday, I walked around the Chaz district, and it is a about a five or six block area in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle, just to the east of downtown Seattle, where they have pushed out the police, the police have bailed on their police precinct station, because the city mayor has said, don't push back. Don't use any force just kind of let them do their thing. And so the police are are like, Yeah, we're out of this police station. You can see the boarded up police station in my video. And so if you want to check out that video, it's called Chaz exposed. It's on YouTube. Right now we have got um, 9154 views. So 9000 views in a in less than a day. I don't know how many comments probably like 300 comments, but it's an entertaining video. It's just me and my GoPro kind of wandering around, taking a look at uh, what's going on inside of Chaz. And, um, you know, for the most part, it's a pretty peaceful area of Seattle. But I was also watching a video last night, the one of the claims that there is a warlord his name that's running the place. His name is Raz Chaz. Has a Raz. Raz is a rapper, Raz Simone from Seattle. And in the video that I watched last night, he was handing out an AR 15 um, automatic rifle to um, some kid on the street out of the back of Raz's Tesla. So Washington State is an open carry state, but That kind of really disturbed me that you've just got guns like that. I didn't see any of that in my video. Check out my video if you want to Chaz exposed, you get a feeling for what's going on. I just saw a lot of hippy dippy stuff and a lot of. Graffiti and crazy protests, and people dropping the F bomb, and some really inappropriate behavior. But my bottom line to that, and you'll see it in the video, is don't send in the troops, even though Seattle's kind of on the national uh, radar and the worldwide radar right now. Don't send in the troops, let this thing kind of burn out. But check out the video. That's all I have to say on that one. Um, But people want me to go back at 1am and see what Chaz looks like at 1am. So trying to get somebody else that'll go with me. If you think I should go back at 1am to check out Chaz, hit me up in the comments of this YouTube video. And let me know if you think that's a good idea. Most adults are going to say that's a stupid idea. And it probably is but I think it'd be kind of fun. The housing shortage worsened. That is why even with buyers taking a pause, home prices continue to rise in March, April and May. That's just wild during a pandemic. The homeownership rate is naturally high for those with above median income compared to those with incomes that are below the median. And that's given their financial resources. Ownership rates are also higher among older households compared to younger ones. But a stark contrast also exists amongst whites versus the non Hispanic population and minority households. Um, nearly 74% for whites 44% for black households, 48.9% for Hispanics and Uh, 59.7% for Asians. Uh, And the Asians include native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander. That means this is the point that means that the wealth disparity remains large and will persist at a time of a housing market boom. It is therefore critical to consider measures to boost opportunity or else the homeownership wealth gap will widen even further. And what I would say in there is having two millennial kids, I've got a 27 year old and a 24 year old, the gap is also impacting them as well. Because coming into a into a market where you're competing with you know, established people with established jobs, it is super hard to get a home. And we're seeing that across the board in most of our big cities, it's just a horrible time to try and compete for housing in general. So I think you're going to see a lot of millennials continue renting because they get frustrated that it's so hard and you get so little bang for your buck. The demand for assistance in itself, however, will not significantly chip away at the gap in ownership and wealth. We also need a huge boost in housing supply, which will relieve the housing shortage and tame the current fast rising home prices. Yeah, you're not going to see that even with building you're not going to see that you're not going to see a ton of people put their homes in the market. And even if you do, I think there is more demand to outstrip that so it's not going to happen. All barriers to home building include regulatory burdens like long and uncertain housing permit approval processes and zoning laws need to be seriously reexamined and modified. When is that going to take place? I don't think ever. I think this is the way it is. And until we really take a hard look at this, it's not an issue that governments are really looking at are they I don't see it happening, especially not here in Seattle. Our permitting process here is horrific. It takes forever to get a project through and the, the stuff stuff you have to jump through incredible for builders and developers. Based on current conditions, perhaps even offering real estate investors incentives to unload properties onto the market will improve inventory and give more chances and ownership for first time buyers. Yeah, but then you're also kind of propping up investors and you are saying, we're going to give you some money because you've done really well. So I can see that argument kind of going sideways as well. A capital gains tax relief for selling investor properties will also certainly help move the dial. Alright, but capital gains are already at 15%, which is really low. So you're gonna drop that down to 10%. Then you've got the other side saying, Oh my gosh, all the rich people are getting a massive break. That's not good. We can't have that we need social equality. So that's where a a, ta- a capital gains tax relief. I don't know if that's really the way to kind of go about it. I don't have any major answers here. But I will tell you kind of at the end of this what what I think and where I think I can help and and what I'm doing to kind of level that playing field. America is an unmatched economic superpower. However, not everyone has participated in the progress. Yeah, that's wildly true. The explicit discrimination of the past and the hidden unconscious biases of today have prevented equal opportunities for minority households. Let's ensure home ownership. And the accompanying wealth buildup are open to more Americans. Yeah, that is something I really strongly believe in. And as my career, most of my career in real estate has been sent as spent as a real estate appraiser. I'm that guy that shows up at your door and goes, "Okay, my name's Sean Reynolds. I'm the appraiser from Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the exterior home. I'm going to measure the exterior home. I'm going to create a sketch." And then in like 15 or 20 minutes, I'll come back inside your home and I'm going to be doing a walkthrough through each of your rooms. I'm required to take photos of just about everything. So if you can make that happen, that would be great. Yes, I'll need to go inside the garage. Yes, and I'll need to maybe take a peek at your crawl space if you have one. Yes, I'll need to have access to the attic area if you have one, that kind of thing and you know, my walkthrough will take me probably another 1520 minutes and that's all depending on the size of the home. So my experience is going up to homes. And until I was in my 40s, I think I could count probably on one hand the number of black families who were owners of property in Seattle that I had appraised and I always thought that was a crazy small percentage of home ownership. Now some of that is is that the black community, especially mortgage lending and real estate brokers, they tend to kind of handle things in their on their own terms, as do a lot of races. I'm not saying real estate is racist. But the Asian community, they tend to work with with their own folks, they've got their own appraisers, they've got, you know, it's a community like anything else. They've got bankers who work within a the system, they all help out their own families. And as a white guy, and I'm not trying to tread on any, any, any feet here race wise, but if you look at me, I'm about as white as they come. I'm about as privileged as a white person. um, As there are I'm a business owner of two businesses property owner and, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast and so that's why I don't make a lot of. You know, I don't make a lot of statements one way or the other because people will say, Sean, you are a privileged white guy, and I gotta say, yeah, I am. I've even got the blue eyes. So my way of kind of handling how do you get more minorities into the marketplace is to lower the barriers barriers of entry for real estate brokers who can handle helping their communities out. And so at Summit Properties Northwest, We have extremely uh, flexible barriers so you can get your real estate license, you can hang your real estate license, you can get amazing support, we're going to shoot videos for you if that's your thing, we're going to produce videos for you, and you can go out and we don't charge any monthly fees to our real estate brokers. There are no expenses ever. We have a high fee split. So if you want to come on board, you don't have to spend three, four 500 bucks a month to be a real estate broker with us. And so that means you can take whatever money you do have, and you can promote yourself. And you can help out your community by being a person within your community that can sell some real estate, be a reliable person, be a good real estate broker, and not have the financial constraints that I think a lot of the big real estate brokerages have that that prohibit people from getting in that might not otherwise have a chance. So my way of kind of giving back to the community is, is allowing people to operate in an environment as a real estate broker, they might not be able to operate otherwise. Does that sound crazy? Yeah, for a lot of real estate brokers and from other real estate brokerages, they're like, they look at me and go, Oh, how does that guy even make money? Well, we do it on volume. Because if I am not charging you an incredible amount. and also we are virtual. So we do have an office, but we don't spend a ton of money on brick and mortar because we don't need to the pandemic Coronavirus has proven to how many people can work for home. And that's basically our business model is small, physical structure, small rent covering that physical structure, give that back to our real estate brokers, let them operate, let them promote themselves, and it'll all come back and it does it does time and time again. And so I've got people from all races as real estate brokers, and that makes me happy from the standpoint of we are serving a lot of communities um, out there. And so you're not really going to hear me talk about that. But that's kind of what we do. And um, so from that standpoint, yeah, that's where I sit. So tell me what you think about that in the comments, that's kind of just that's kind of the backdrop on. Um, how things are handled, and uh, in Seattle, it's uh, a, it's truly a multiracial community, and it's becoming more and more so, especially as we become a global community. And Seattle is kind of the closest stop in the U.S. to the uh, to the Pacific Rim, so that's where we sit. So I thought this was a really good article written by uh, Lawrence or Larry, as I referred to him, Lawrence Yoon. And that was for CNN business perspective. So anytime I see an article like that, I'm probably going to bring it up. And I try and put it in a perspective of how does this fit in with this boom we're seeing going on because I think there's a lot of people are like, Yeah, I keep hearing about this boom, but I am not able to participate in it. And that's where I think a lot of focus needs to go. The actual housing supply. I don't know how that's going to get fixed. I mean, all of a sudden, are we gonna have a bunch of houses come in the market? I don't think so. Are the baby boomers gonna give up their homes and go Yep, made enough money gonna stick my house in the market. I'm not really feeling that could be wrong been wrong about a lot a lot of things like maybe I'll be wrong about wanting to visit Chaz at 1am in the morning. I'm not sure. So that's really about all I had for today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you found this content helpful to your real estate business or making decisions with your own personal finance, love to have you subscribe to our channel, hit the like for this video send me a comment. Uh, If you have questions on real estate or real estate uh, related business, hit me up with a question. We're going to do a question and answer podcast here shortly. Love to know what you're thinking as far as what? what would be of interest for you to have me answer. So hit me up. I'm more than happy to um, answer whatever questions you have. So again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summit Properties Northwest Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.